Spencer Torkelson has a two-home run day as the Tigers split a series against the Rangers in Texas. Let's talk about it all today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked on Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Friday, June 30th, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked on Tigers your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team, every day. Uh, be sure to check out the Tigers broadcast on the SiriusXM app as well. I know I tell you all that. All the time, but a super cool feature. You just have the SiriusXM app. You can just search the term Detroit Tigers. And next thing you know, you're listening to the Tigers home broadcast. Very, very cool feature. Uh, yeah, so check that out. The Tigers win 8-5 to five on Thursday afternoon to split a series with the Rangers. And look, like I, I tweeted this out, but this is a, a series where not a lot went right. The offense had uh, a couple of games, obviously games two and three, where they did not show out. They had some injuries. They had some really poor pitching performances, et cetera, et cetera. And yet they split a series against a team that's in the first place in their division. You just split a four-game set against a first-place team, even with all of the nonsense that's happened over the last four days. So we'll gladly, gladly, gladly take it. Okay, I want to start with some injury updates here, but I also, I didn't put in there, I didn't have room. I want to talk a little bit about uh, roster moves as well. Joey Wentz was optioned down to AAA Toledo. Not a huge surprise. Um, I, I guess more so just like a feeling of, wow, it finally happened than it was like actual shock or like, oh, he didn't deserve that. Like, I think everyone was pretty much, on the same page that that was probably the right move, but uh, it probably has been for a while and they just haven't really been able to do it. So they do send him down to AAA. Uh, the corresponding move was Zach Logue has been promoted to the majors. Zach Logue, uh, I mean, very quick rundown was a waiver claim that Scott Harris made back in December. He was on the Oakland A's last year. Had like 10 or 15 starts for the A's and an ERA of like five and a half. Um, I mean, he's got like a 90 mile an hour fastball. He's got a cutter. He's got a change up and a curveball. Uh, I mean, he's, he, I think his ERA in Toledo is around five, if I'm not mistaken. It's not great, whatever it is. So like, I, I mean, I'm not expecting Logue to come up here and, and be some incredible revolutionary pitcher, but that transitions into the injury update side of things which is Tarek Skubal has made his fifth rehab start and all of the beat writers were kind of hinting at, hey, it's not official, but all signs are pointing to Tarek Skubal coming to the majors relatively soon here, which is very exciting. And not only just exciting just because we haven't seen Tarek Skubal pitch all year and he's probably the best pitcher in this organization, when he is healthy, but on top of that, this team just has never needed innings more. I say that 
But really quick side tangent. Y'all remember last year when we had like, pretty sure last October or November, maybe it was in a postseason kind of recap episode. I I probably said this a lot of times, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. But we had used like 18 or 19 different starting pitchers last year. And I, I remember constantly talking about like, this is unprecedented, unprecedented, uh, and how it was just remarkable to me that all of these starting pitchers kept getting hurt and sent down and called up. And, you know, we almost used 20 starters last year. And now I'm not going to say we're in the same position. We still got a ways to go until we're back at that number, but like, it's not even July yet. And they've used, I guess I, I, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but it's probably like nine or 10. It's just how bad of luck. And then Reese Olsen we'll talk about in a second. We'll give an update on him because uh, they provided a small one after the game. But golly, this team just needs innings from the starting rotation so badly. They had to do another makeshift bullpen game in this in this game. Um, let's finish the injury report side of things, though. So Tarek Skubal, it's looking – signs are, are, are pointing in a positive direction. It's looking like uh, – I think there was some rumblings that maybe they want him to do one more bullpen day. Uh, but it's looking like there's a real chance that Scoobal – maybe Logue just gets one start and then Scoobal is is kind of the next time through the rotation. That's where Tarek Scoobal is. I think there might be a chance for that. Uh, with the All-Star break looming as well, there's some, you know, how do you want to play that? Do you want to give him a start, then give him the All-Star break, and then – give him another start after that or whatnot. We'll see, but looking really positive. There's a real chance that he just made his last rehab start. So that's very, very exciting. Um, then we go to Akil Badu and Riley Green. Both have been transferred to AAA Toledo. This is fantastic news. Uh, neither of them are starting games yet at the time of this recording, which is Thursday mid-afternoon after the Tigers-Rangers game ended. Um, so I, I don't expect either of them to like play on Friday or anything, but Chris McCoskey of the Detroit news, um, he said that there's a decent chance that Akil Badu makes a rehab start on Saturday. And then he said, Riley green shouldn't be too far behind Akil Badu were his words. So all good things on the injury. Well, not all good things on the injury front, but, uh, some actual positive news regarding some injuries here. Trey Winginter is believed to be pretty close. He'll get a roster spot. I mean, you look at some of the names in this bullpen. Winginter will definitely replace some of those. Um, so it's it's looking like some help is coming. And that's just like the most ridiculous part of this team is like, let's pretend, okay? Let's just pretend that the Tigers were like five games over 500, Okay. And they were the same amount of games out of first place in the AL Central, but they were five games over 500 instead of 10 games under. Okay, let's say they're they're 50 and 45, but they're still four games out of first place. I would come on here and tell you, wow, if we can just keep our head above water until all these players come back from injury, look out. Like that would be my message. Like watch out. Like th this team is, is already kind of just like treading, like barely treading. They're only five games over 500, not a fantastic season. Even if let's just make it 500, actually forget over 500. If they were a 500 ball club, they were 45 and 45 and four games out of first. 
there'd be some optimism. You'd be like, all right, like then they're going to get some reinforcements and then we're only four games out of it. We have the whole second half of the season. This is really exciting, but there's not a lot of that surrounding the fan base because yes, they're only four games out of first place, but they are 10 games under 500. It's just weird, conflicting feeling where like you, you don't really know how optimistic you're supposed to be. You don't know if you should be optimistic at all. You don't know uh, if the reinforcements, are, I mean, what, they're going to take this team from a, a, a 10 games under 500 team to like, what, a 500 team? But then like you look at the schedule, not the schedule ahead, but you look at what they've accomplished so far. If you take out the nine-game losing streak, they're a game under 500. Now, I know that's ridiculous to say, and you can't just, like, take away losses. I totally get it. But if you do just truly chalk it up to a bad week and a half of baseball, and they play 500 the rest of the way outside of those just nine games in a 162-game season, not bad. Now, obviously, that's not true. They started off, what, two and nine? Is that the start they got off to? In their first 15 games, they only had a handful of wins. Like, it's obviously not true that they've just been, like, perfect outside of those nine. But it's just, it's a really, really unique and weird situation to be in uh, where the Tigers stand right now. At 10 games under 500 after today, 35 and 45, yet only four games out of first place. Where the Guardians and Twins are currently tied at the time of this recording because the Guardians lost to the Kansas City Royals on Thursday. All right, let's get into this ball game. We'll talk about Reese Olsen. We'll talk about the bullpen day. Got a lot to go over in this one. Good win for Detroit. But first, I got to tell y'all about our friends over at where? Where do you think we should go over today? Let's go to FanDuel. FanDuel is the best because baseball season is in full swing and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash on today to get started. So don't miss your chance to snag a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel. Today, just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. FanDuel, an official sports partner of Major League Baseball. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked On Tigers. I appreciate y'all for tuning in, as always. Big, nice, solid win for the Detroit Tigers on Thursday. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll be back on Monday recapping a series against the Colorado Rockies, which we will talk about at the end of this episode, the last few minutes. Uh, we'll kind of preview, you know, pitching matchups. And honestly, I'm a little concerned about it, but we'll talk about that when we get to it. Um, let's talk Reese Olsen. So uh, obviously the starter in this ball game, he had his start cut short due to a comebacker that hit him on the inside of the right knee. Uh, very, very rough place to get hit. He looked like he was in a lot of pain, hobbled around, hit the deck almost immediately, and then was pulled from the game. Before that, he had pit, he had thrown one and two thirds, three hits, one earned run, one walk, and two strikeouts. Really quickly, just like the, the one thing in, again, the less than two innings he did on the mound. Um, uh, the only gripe I really had was that he had hung the slider in multiple two-strike counts, 
which kind of frustrated me. Um, but now at this point, I just want him to be healthy. Like you can hang all the sliders you want to just be healthy. No, <laughs> eh, maybe not. <laughs> we've had, we've had enough of those kind of pitchers over the years. Um, but, but obviously health is the number one priority. I'd love to see him keep pitching at the major league level. And they still need him even with Scooble back. Thanks to, you know, the, the Matt Boyd, Tommy John and, and whatnot. Um, so we'll see, but yeah, that was something that I, I noticed very early on in this game is there was one at bat specifically where he just kept, th- there was two strikes and he just threw like three, two or three of those big sliders in a row. And one of them was spit on then one of them was fouled off. And then one was just hung right at the thighs and it was, you know, deposited into left field. So, um, yeah, something to to keep an eye on there. You know, how he approaches batters in two strike counts is uh, a big deal to me. There was also another at-bat on the flip side that I really liked. And uh, it was really just a, a no-fear-to-change-eye-levels approach that I really appreciated. So uh, he went, I believe it was, it was a strikeout. It was one of his two strikeouts. And he went fastball low. Then he went fastball high at the letters. No, no, no. The f- Sorry. He went slider low and away. Strike one. Then he went fastball high. Strike two. And now you're at a point where you have a lot of creativity you can do as a pitcher. Or if you're a catcher, right, as a game caller. You have a lot of creativity you can do. Because this dude is down two strikes in the count. And he has pretty much seen, unless you're feeling really gutsy and you want to throw a changeup on the next pitch, he's seen comfortably your two best and most used pitches. One was low and away, a softer pitch, right, that he's got to keep an eye on and really follow. And one was a heater up and in that he really has to turn on quickly. So you kind of have this, like, creativity where you can can go slider way out of the strike zone, try to get him to chase on something if he's sitting on that pitch low and in again. You probably don't want to go back to the well with the fastball up and in right away. Maybe that's a case where you go slider low and away. He spits on it. Okay, now we'll go back to fastball up and in. That could be a possibility. But you have a lot of things you can do. And what he ended up doing was a fastball low and away for a strike. And it was a dot. And it was a called strike. Wasn't even swung at. Strike three. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good night. And I just loved that sequence because – it was a, a, a changing eye levels with off speed and with heat, but also changing eye levels with the same pitch in the same at bat. Really, really kept the hitter off balance, and I, I thought it was just a fantastic, uh, a, a really well executed at bat from a pitcher's perspective. So um, I guess didn't expect to talk this much about resource and given that he only threw recorded five outs, but uh, there you go. So some stuff to work on and some stuff that I liked. Both there for you. Um, then it was turned into a bullpen day pretty quickly. Tyler Holton first out of the pen, one and two thirds, four hits, one earned run, no walks, two strikeouts. He's got a two eleven ERA on the year now. Um, probably left out a little too much in a perfect world, but like again, they just need to find innings, and and they got hosed again with, with another injury, and they needed to get everybody. They needed everyone to pitch as long as they possibly could, uh, and and all things considered, one earned run at the end of the day, not the end of the world. Um, so yeah, really, I, I really enjoy how AJ has used Tyler Holton. I think that that is the honestly outside of Holton's just his own execution of pitches. I think AJ's success, AJ's success, AJ's, um, 
situational usage of Holton has led to a lot of success for him. I think it's one of the biggest reasons for it so far. Then Tyler Alexander, man, one and two thirds, one hit, no runs, walks, or strikeouts. Um, his ERA is now almost under four. Since like May 28th, Tyler Alexander has only given up two runs. And he's also not a one inning reliever like that. That's almost, I don't want to say almost all, but like a large majority of those are multiple inning appearances on top of that, right? That's not just like, oh, one inning, one day type of thing. And, and he's only thrown like four or five innings since then. Like, no, th this is like a, a pretty legitimate workload since then. And yeah, his ERA just keeps plummeting, just keeps throwing up zeros. Uh, and he's one more shutout outing away from having a sub four ERA on the year when at one point in May, it was dang near six. So really good to see from Tyler Alexander. Mason Engler, one inning, one hit, one earned run, no walks, no cake. <laughs> Excuse me, no Ks. And obviously the hit was the uh what was the home run. His ERA is four seven three. And he didn't give up anything else outside of the home run. He did give up some hard contact, some loud outs. But the only real damage done was the Homer. It's just like that's the theme throughout the entire year. He doesn't give up a ton of hits. Like just he doesn't give up a ton of base runners, but he gives up a boatload of homers. It's not even July. This dude's a reliever and has given up 11 home runs on the season now. That's alarmingly high. We're like, are we past one every three innings pitched? Like it, it's, it's remarkable. He gives up so many homers. So it's this weird situation to be in. I, I still currently don't mind him necessarily as like a low leverage long reliever. But I mean, I, I'm scared every time he enters a close ball game because you can, at this point, you're really close to being able to just guarantee a home run every outing. And, and that's not like Matthew Boyd where, you, you know, you guarantee a home run, but he's going to give you four, five, six innings. This is like one or two innings, and it's still dang near guaranteed he's going to give up a long ball. So uh, needs to fix that. And, and we've talked about it all year. The biggest thing is right now he just doesn't have a major league fastball. Um, he's got decent secondary stuff. I think his changeup will play at the major league level, but just hasn't proven to have a major league fastball at the, uh, at currently. And, and so needs to develop that. But, I mean, like a 4.73 ERA, is it great? No. Is it good? Not really. But is it the worst ERA we've ever seen? Is it like unusable out of the pen? Absolutely not. So weird situation to be in. Uh, Jose Cisnero, one inning, one hit, no runs or walks and two strikeouts. He continues to impress me. Uh, will probably be used in a little bit more high leverage situations as we get closer to the trade deadline. Uh, I'll tell you right now, I am almost certain Jose Cisnero will not be on this baseball team on August 1st. I know it's a little early to start the trade talk, you know, who's on the block, who's not conversation. Uh, that's one that I'm so confident in. I don't mind saying in June, like I, I would be stunned if Jose Cisnero was on this baseball team after the trade deadline, he's as good as gone to me and anything he does is uh, just adding to his trade resume, trade value. That's the word. Jason Foley, one clean inning. Alex Lang will talk about after I tell you all about our friends over 
at Marg's. This episode is brought to you by Marg's Sparkling Margaritas. Look, you guys know I love a good drink, and I've been trying to find a replacement to the typical like White Claw and High Noons of the world. Thank goodness I stumbled upon Marg's. The refreshing, ready-to-drink sparkling margaritas have officially become my go-to cocktail. They're crafted with real Blanco tequila. They are clean, crisp, and genuinely taste so good. They've got five unique flavors. There's something for everyone to enjoy. I love these the most when kicking back after work, watching a game on the weekends, or just hanging with friends. This summer, I have been packing my cooler with Margs all summer and will continue to do so for the rest of this fantastic Michigan summer. Uh, backyard barbecues, boat trips, days at the beach, etc. They are the best. Uh, they're the drink of the summer. And for me, I can't even really wait to use them for tailgating season this fall as well. So uh, visit sipmargs.com to find a retailer near you. That's S-I-P-M-A-R-G-S.com to find a retailer near you. Must be 21 and over to enjoy. Cheers, and please drink responsibly. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment three, third and final segment of Locked on Tigers. I appreciate y'all for tuning in as always. Be sure to check out the Detroit Tigers broadcast on the SiriusXM app. I, as I told y'all in the beginning, very, very cool feature that they have. Just go to the SiriusXM app, just search Detroit Tigers, and you'll get our home broadcast. Okay, so where were we? Oh, Alex Lang, right. So Jason Foley did Jason Foley things. Uh, no strikeouts, but it's still a perfect inning. Alex Lang, really, it, it got hairy there at the end. One inning, two hits, two earned runs, two walks, no strikeouts for Alex Lang. Um, it It's really difficult for me to like come up with new things to say every single time this happens. And it's obviously been happening a lot more lately. Um, but Alex Lang just continues to he can't throw strikes consistently when he does fill the strike zone it's either a swing and a miss or it's not like hard contact like like his stuff moves so much that if he can just find the zone consistently I don't even think he'd give up that much hard contact or that many hits but he struggles so mightily with consistently finding the zone the stuff moves a ton that's obviously somewhat to do with it uh but it's it's frustrating it's really, really frustrating. And so uh, in this game, I mean, it was all sinker curveball, as it usually is. Um, and the sinker was hit pretty hard a couple of times because people just sat on it because he couldn't throw the curveball in the strike zone. I guess he couldn't really throw the sinker in the strike zone either. I think he actually threw more curveballs for strikes than sinkers. But it's um, it's just... Uh, I don't know, like, I don't want to say same story, different day. Like, I don't want this to just become the norm. But over the last three or four weeks, this has been the issue. It's, it's consistently finding the zone. He hasn't had the ability to do it. Um, when looking at Alex Lang's season as a whole now, I mean, we, we obviously have been keeping tabs on him throughout the entire year. But when looking at, you know, comparing him to the rest of the league overall this season, K-rate, 88th percentile, top 12% in baseball and strikeout rate, top 12% in baseball and expected batting average against. Again, when he throws it in the zone, people aren't even getting hits off of him. Expected slug against, 90th percentile, top 10% in the league. Nobody is hitting him hard. Whiff rate, 98th percentile. We all know he's one of the best swing and miss artists in the game. Chase rate, 71st percentile, top 30. 
Like it's it, it's it's just the walk rate, fourth percentile. He is in the bottom four percent in all of baseball in how often he walks people. His walk rate is currently at fourteen percent. That's Justin Henry Malloy in the minor leagues level of walk rate. <laughs> like literally. That is alarmingly high. And the frustrating thing, or not frustrating, I guess scary, scary and frustrating. The 14% last year, when we were talking about his inconsistencies with finding the zone, last year's was 11.4. His walk rate has gone up 2.5% from last year's already high walk rate, where we voiced our concerns about him finding the zone. So needs to fix that, obviously, right? Um, let's move on to the offense really quickly here. Uh, this was a really solid day for the offense, really solid. Tigers put up eight runs. Um, I, I do want to highlight a couple of players before we get into the Torkelson and then Kerry Carpenter, Jonathan Scope conversation. Um, uh, Matt Veerling, two for four with a walk in this one. He has a 273 average and a 753 OPS. He is currently, that OPS is above league average, like pretty comfortably, um, like like 10 or 12% above league average hitter at the moment. He's been really well, doing really well lately. And for him, it's just like he puts the ball in play and he sprays it all over the yard. His expected batting average is in the top 10 or 15%. Uh, maybe that's a little, maybe that's a little extreme. I'm trying to remember the last time I checked. It was probably a few days ago. It's around like top 20%. In baseball, his expected batting average. He just puts a, a lot of, you know, lot, nice line drives, a lot of good, solid contact to all parts of the field. Uh, he's still late on fastball sometimes, and it still bothers me. But if you throw it low and in, he's going to crush it. So um, very, very solid. Very, very solid. Matt Beerling continues to be. Um, Andy Abanez with an RBI single in this one. Nice to see. Javi Baez goes two for five. Um, who else? Jake Rogers couple of hard hit balls really nice to see uh 197 average 757 ops so what i just said about matt veerling being like a, a solid above league average hitter jake rogers ops is higher than matt veerling's despite having a batting average of 80 points lower because all of his hits are extra base hits and he walks a lot more than matt veerling does um Marisnik with a nice rbi triple there that was nice to see uh i do want to talk zach mckinstry with a nice hit now, I will say that hit was not in one of the bad zones that we always talk about, right? Uh, he, he got a soft pitch low and in in the strike zone, and, and he did what he does with pitches that aren't in one of the two like bad you know black hole areas we keep talking about. So I uh, still want to see him make adjustments and, and do better against those two pitches specifically, but still nice to see him get a hit. I know he's been struggling lately. Um Okay, let's talk uh, just overall this offense. I was actually really frustrated for the first five innings. I was really frustrated. Uh, Bradford, while he like he has a five five nine ERA on the season, um, and his career he had only started three games before this one. His ERA was like around six going into the game. He had only started three games in his career, three games this season. He was a reliever most recently. He's not even an everyday starter for them. Like he's not part of their rotation. Um, and yet through four innings, he had eight strikeouts. 
So I was pretty upset through the first four innings. Uh, I thought that they were really unprofessional and immature at bats, just like kind of swinging at everything. But they adjusted really, really well. They hit them pretty well in the fifth, got to the bullpen, and then they hit the bullpen very, very well. Uh, so props to them for for making in-game adjustments. It's what good teams do. They make in-game adjustments. And this team over the last couple of years just has not made many of those. And it's something that in 2021, I thought they did a lot of. So it's nice to see at least the possibility and some semblance of that happening again. Um, but yeah, really good. that They were way more patient in the second half of the game than the first half of the game when they were kind of just swinging at everything. Uh, okay, let's talk to Spencer Torgelson, uh, the player of the game. Obviously, he goes two for three with two home runs, four RBIs, and two walks, no strikeouts. Fantastic day at the office. His OPS skyrocketed in one game. He's almost already back to 700 after one game. Um, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Now, we need we need a stretch here. We need a, We need a nice long streak of this happening. I don't even need like a month, honestly. Give me like two weeks of him just tearing the cover off the ball, and I'll be like, all right, this is this is possible. Like this dude can actually go on a tear for a prolonged period of time and, and maintain it. But it's just the it's the oh, two really good games and then a week of bad, and then a really good game or two, and then three games of bad. And then like that's the frustrating part with all this. So this is great. This is Three home runs in his last two games. That's certainly very far from bad, right? Um, and in this game, I thought he was really just seeing the ball well throughout the entire thing. The fastball was uh, the fastball. The home run was on a fastball up and in uh, that he just turned his hands on and pulled. Very, very nice. Uh, he ha- has really good numbers when he pulls the ball and really bad numbers when he doesn't pull the ball. So um, good to see him, him kind of just be on top of everything. He was beating the pitcher to spots the entire game. And he also had a couple of walks. That's a big part of Torgelson's game. Sometimes it's he's even too passive. But during that really bad stretch, he wasn't even really walking. And now he in this game, he is. And he hits well. It's amazing the, the correlation between walking and good hitting, right? Um, I, 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 I was going to say I'm kidding, but I'm actually not. I very strongly believe that. Al, you see Wall are well aware. Um, last thing I want to talk about the offense, then we'll talk about the Rockies really quickly. Um. Kerry Carpenter gets a start against the lefty, does get a hit against the lefty starter, then stays in the game against the lefty reliever with the bases loaded and no outs and strikes out. And honestly, it was a pretty ugly at bat. I still support it. No one bats a thousand. It was an ugly at bat. I'm not going to say it wasn't. He was kind of all over the place. Wasn't really, didn't look like he was really seeing the ball too well. Um, But uh, I still support letting him actually hit against lefties. His like career OPS at the major league level against lefties is like 750 or 740. Like it's not even like awful. Um, now again, very small sample size, obviously much smaller than the right-handed side of, uh, of the plate, right-handed side of the mound against righties. Goodness. Um, but I'm just glad that he got an opportunity Throughout this entire game, start to finish, to face not only a lefty, but multiple lefties in the same game, I'm glad that he finally got that opportunity. I want to continue to see him get some opportunities. Now, if there's a lefty that has a really nice sweeper that he can pound low and away in the zone and you don't like the matchup, I'll, I'll concede. I don't need him to face necessarily like every single lefty for the rest of time, but 
and especially like if he's proving that he can't hit them, then like, there you go. There's your answer. Uh, but right now I want him to face lefties. Now let's transition into Jonathan scope. I'm done. I, I personally, I genuinely love the dude. I really do. I, I he gave a lot of good moments in an era of tigers baseball where there were not very many. He was this team's best hitter when we were awful. He had a really, really fun 2021 season when the Tigers had a really, really fun 2021 season. It's 2023. There is no use to him on this roster. Literally zero. He provides actually nothing. I tweeted this out, but if... You look, he's being used as a platoon hitter, right? He's being used as like this guy that when there's a lefty on the mound, Jonathan Scope plays. His OPS against lefties on the season is 653. His OPS against righties is 419. (laughs) Have we become numb to bad numbers? Do you realize how awful 419 is? 653 is bad. That's almost 100 points worse than league average. And that's over 200 points better than his OPS against righties. Anyway, if you look, though, his numbers against starters of each handness, he's actually better against right-handed starters than left-handed starters. His OPS against right-handed starting pitching in 2023 is 538. And his OPS against left-handed starting pitching in 2023 is 489. Both of those are awful. And the left-handed starter one is actually worse. He went 0 for 5 with 2Ks today. He also, as a sub, if you're like, oh, well, maybe he just like hits, you know, he's a really good pinch hitter. I don't think you're saying. I don't think very many people are. I think everyone's kind of on my train here. He has a 584 OPS as a substitute on the year. He is bringing quite literally zero value. He's not a good pinch hitter. He's not good against either handness. He's actually worse against the starter you're platooning him to play. He made a couple of errors this week. In the last two weeks, I guess. I... I, I, It breaks my heart that I am saying it, but I genuinely mean this. There is no reason for him to be on this roster right now. Literally none. He does not provide anything of value to the baseball field. So, I mean, who you bring up, you know, there's a couple of guys I would really like. You know, if you're going to force Tyler Nevin onto the roster, there's your infielder. Now bring up Parker Meadows. Like, I I just, I, I don't understand this refusal. And look, I also want to make this clear. This episode's way longer than I wanted it to be. I want to make this clear, too. The reinforcements are coming. A lot of people are getting healthy again. When they start getting activated from the roster, or from the IL, rather, there is a handful of dudes that are going to get chopped. And, and Jonathan Scope, I can't imagine, is going to make it through the influx of Akil Badu, Riley Green, Eduardo Rodriguez, Tarek Skubal, et cetera, like Trey Winginter, like go down the line. I, 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 
will vest hopefully only in a couple of weeks. I can't imagine that scope is going to make it through that. I really can't. So I'm not saying this as like a, as like a, a like I, I think he's going to stay on the roster all year. This is ridiculous. Whatever. I, I I just it. I said going into the season, if he was on the roster on June 1st, I would have been stunned. He's probably going to be on the roster on July 1st, and that's just remarkable to me. He just unfortunately is not a plus in anything anymore. So I just want to point that out too. We'll see what happens. Um, Colorado Rockies this weekend uh, in Colorado. That terrifies me. I love playing the Rockies in Comerica Park because the Rockies on the road are uh, one of the worst teams in baseball. I'm every single year, no matter what, I'm terrified terrified of playing the Colorado Rockies in Colorado every single year. And this year is no different. Uh, 8-10 start Eastern on Friday, 9-10 start Eastern on Saturday, and then a 3-10 start Eastern on Sunday. Uh, the pitching will be Michael Lorenzen game one, Matt Manning game three, and a TBD for game two. Uh, we'll see that could be a Zach Logue start um could be another bullpen game i don't know i it, it this is really really i'm very scared for a taxed bullpen that has had a bullpen day like three or four times this week then going into colorado also i might put my mortgage on harold castro hitting a homer just because that seems inevitable right jamer homered willie castro torched us I mean, I think the White Sox should call up Victor Reyes next time we play them just for the three-game series against the Tigers and then send them back down. Um, yeah, I might take out a loan and go to FanDuel and put all of it on Harold Castro hitting a home run because that's got to be way plus odds even in Colorado. Might do that. Um, that's not advice, by the way. It's half a joke, but like all good jokes can train contain true stuff right all right i think that'll do it thanks for making lockdown tigers your first listen every day free and available wherever you get your podcast uh appreciate y'all for tuning in shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day we'll be back on sunday recapping the three games set against the colorado rockies in colorado cool appreciate y'all greatly sorry this episode is so long i really thought that this was actually going to be shorter when i was going into it um but uh, pretty much every time I say that, it ends up being 40 minutes. So peace and love. Going to Therapy's Dope. I'll catch you all on Sunday. Go Tigers.